What difference can two people make in a global pandemic? We felt and continue to feel like this type of concept is very much needed given the sentiment and given the fact that loneliness as a concept is going to be the next epidemic. I fundamentally believe that. But in the short run, there are people who, number one, are holed up in their homes. And number two, there's just a tremendous amount of need for gratitude. We're living in uncertain times, surrounded by chaos, fear, even outrage. But a new world is emerging, putting forth beams of hope, healing, community, and recovery. Welcome to Luminaries in the Dark, hopeful stories about people pivoting their life and their work to rise above chaos and help those in need. I'm your host, Bruce Bracken. There's something special about connecting with someone you've never met before and showing your gratitude. It's special for them and meaningful to you. But not everyone who deserves that appreciation is able to get it. Joining us today are Noah Friedman and Sahil Baiwala, who have designed a platform that enables people to share their gratitude and recognition and bring people six feet closer. Noah and Sahil, welcome to Luminaries in the Dark. Thank you very much for joining us. I know that you both co-founded Six Feet Closer. Tell me a little bit about yourselves and then a brief rundown of what Six Feet Closer is for folks who may not be familiar with it. Thank you for having us, Bruce. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks thanks so much for having us, Bruce. We're really pumped to be on here. My background is in venture capital entrepreneurship and media, kind of right at that intersection. The general premise of Six Feet Closer is it's a platform that connects those who want to say thank you and express gratitude with those who deserve it. It originally started as a way to thank frontline workers during the pandemic. And we've since started to expand the concept to be what we're kind of calling a global gratitude engine. So just a a mechanism for those to express gratitude and practice gratitude in a one-to-one fashion. What's kind of interesting about where we are right now is it really just started as a way to express gratitude to frontline workers in the midst of the pandemic. And we've been taken aback in, a, in the best way possible at how powerful the platform has been. It's It lets someone send a personal one-on-one video to someone whom they've never met. And we've been kind of blown away truly at how much of an impact just a video that says, hey, I see you. Hey, I recognize you. I appreciate you for the work that you're doing. You know, Keep it up. I'm thinking about you. Can have on someone's day. It makes people smile. It's made people break down in tears. It's been pretty overwhelming. And so Noah and I are really excited to take the next step with it and you know expand it beyond to include sort of other groups of people and, and kind of anyone, right? Anyone who people think deserve appreciation and recognition. So it's an exciting time. And I understand you two met in college. What was college life like for you before you got into Six Feet Closer? Oh, man, there's a question. I think in college, I was obsessive about trying to start companies and build stuff in the world of venture capital. And I got thrust into the VC game a little bit early through a relationship and a, initially an internship, which turned into a full-time position with Loeb NYC and Michael Loeb, who's a private investor in New York City. And Sahil and I met freshman year. So we had a, a lot of fun together in college and we're always brainstorming ideas together. And I think there was probably an, an inevitability that we'd have some sort of collaboration at some point in our lives. Um, we lived together for most of our college career and were best friends throughout all of it. And I think that I, I don't think that we assumed that it would be this that we collaborated on. I think we probably would have guessed that it would have come later in life. But when a pandemic comes around and you've got 
people who want to innovate and make stuff happen, it's it's good to put your brain towards a good cause. And so we kind of just flowed with it and six feet closer just happened. We must have met like literally day one of college. He lived right next door to me our freshman year on our we were on floor twelve sleeper hall at Boston University. And we kind of took slightly different paths, I'd say right, right out of college. I was a math major, econ major, went into consulting at Bain in Boston for a couple of years was set to go into private equity. So take a, I think a much less entrepreneurial route and more of sort of like a standard like business route. And then kind of did a hard 180 recently and just joined somewhat of a startup and have been a little bit more involved in the entrepreneurial world. And it came around like at the perfect time because Noah came to me with this idea, you know, what, three, four months ago now, it's especially interesting to hear about each of your backgrounds, uh, your skills, your education. And it really takes a unique person or pair of people to take their skills, their background, resources that are available to them and pivot during this COVID-19 period to really do something genuinely meaningful for people out there. What was the impetus for creating the Six Feet Closer platform? Why was that particular concept so meaningful to each of you? I'll go first, and then I want to hear Sal's side of this as well, because I, I think they're going to be similar. But this came to me as a concept. I think we were probably, I don't know, two and a half weeks into COVID getting really bad in terms of awareness in the news cycle. So call it mid-March. We were probably a little bit into quarantine. I think that the world was starting to realize how severe this was. And the sentiment around seeing how intense the front lines were in terms of these healthcare workers and those of us who were still having to work. And I found myself holed up with my family, safe and healthy as far as I could tell. And I felt tremendously empty, not being able to do something to help. Meaning I, I had friends who were doctors and nurses and working on the front lines. And, and here I was, you know, still doing my job and working, but hold up with my family. And I saw people clapping out the window at seven o'clock in the city, which was sort of that ritual, which I thought was beautiful. But what hit me was this notion of, is there a way to make that more personal? You know, I, I was just flush with gratitude and a desire to do something. And so my, men, my brain started to spin and said, you know, what can we do that takes the gratitude a step further and personalizes it? And using sort of that as the prompt and I, a, a bit of a background in technology and, and a comfort on camera, I had the idea of what if you could do personalized videos, not that were sent to healthcare workers as a demographic, but literally to individual people. And that sort of spun the idea of the platform. And I had that idea on a Friday night, Saturday morning, I woke up and I made five videos for actual doctors and nurses and administrators and hospitals that I knew through friends of friends, but that had never met me. And I sent them vis-a-vis -vis friends to these individuals on the front lines. They'd never heard of me. They'd never seen me. They'd never met me, but they got this video that was me saying into the camera, Hey, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing. I just want you to know that I'm very grateful and I deeply appreciate the work and, and just please know that you are seen and you're appreciated and your work matters. And just saying really genuine things from the heart. And I didn't script it. I just spoke from the heart. And I wanted to test, you know, is this something that people are going to feel receptive to? Are they going to feel creeped out that they've never met me? Are they going to feel happy? Are they going to want more? Like, where's it going to fall? And the responses that came back were just beautiful and overwhelmingly positive. People loved it. They loved the videos. They said that it was giving them more energy. And, you know, so with five anecdotal pieces of evidence that this was a concept, I was like, all right, 
this could be something. And I called Sahil and we were off to the races. Yeah, it was um, pretty awesome to get that call from Noah. You can call it like a silver lining in some kind of way. And I, it, the reason I say this is I think it it made it really click for me as to how powerful a personal like one-on-one video could be for someone. A couple of weeks before I think I got the call from Noah, someone very, very close to me had a psychotic episode. And I, I had no idea what was going on. I was I really didn't know how to react. So after that, I just spent like two weeks kind of reading everything I could about it. And something that's pretty well understood at this point in that community is that people who have psychosis just want to feel seen, heard, and not feel like people are looking at them like they're crazy or anything, right? I think everyone can kind of understand it intuitively, right? When when your boss says, hey, Bruce, like, awesome job today, or when a friend just says, hey, man, like, really just wanted to say thank you so much for everything that you've done, you know, in the past week for me, I really appreciate it, right? It's little things like that. And it's something that like, it's so simple to do, right? It literally takes you 10 seconds to tell someone that you're grateful for them. And I think what was kind of unique about this is during COVID, at least, there was so much energy to want to express gratitude to people, particularly on the front lines, right? And, you know, the the tough part was a lot of people didn't really know how to do it. There was clapping at the windows, there was ringing the bells, and there was such awesome energy. And I think we heard or felt even more that people might want to get even more personal, right? You know, a lot of people didn't necessarily know someone who was working on the front lines, or if they did, they didn't necessarily want to bother them. And I think there was something kind of, I think the word's probably vulnerable, where when you do give gratitude and express appreciation to the people in your life, you feel a little vulnerable because you're not necessarily sure how it's going to be received or you feel like you're putting yourself out there a little bit. And what I think made the concept so intriguing is that when you make a video for someone whom you've never met, it takes away any fear, concern, or vulnerability on your end to just put out gratitude and appreciation in the world and make someone stay, right? And what we found is that on the receiving end, in a weird way, people kind of believe it more when it's not coming from someone they know, right? Like when my mom tells me, hey, you did a great job. I'm like, yeah, well, you have to say that. You're my mom. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) But when someone else tells me that, it has a way bigger impact. No offense to my mom. I love my mom. But like it just, it hits a little bit different, right? Because I know that that person is only doing it because they must mean it. You made some really great points. I think humanity in general has always kind of wrestled with, you know, the topic of loneliness or whether you feel appreciated or feel included, and then throw us into this stay-at-home era, self-quarantining or social distancing. I think many people find it even more challenging to deal with those topics of loneliness. So it's fantastic that you guys have thought about this and thought through this and came up with a platform to get that gratitude, to get that appreciation, to make those human connections. And it's obvious the amount of work that you guys put into thinking about this and planning it even before you launched the platform. I'm curious what your process was for spinning all of this up. Did you do a lot of research beforehand? Did you speak with consultants? What were the different aspects that you took into consideration when you were planning this platform? My background in venture and tech gave me a pretty good semblance of an understanding of like conceptually what this should look like as a platform. And I knew that it was technically possible as a concept. I think the things that we played with were once we understood 
that we wanted it to not be app-based, meaning we wouldn't have to have someone download an app to participate in this. We wanted to have a system where you could both sign up, nominate, and receive videos. And we wanted it to ideally be powered on text message. There was a probably one week period of plugging and playing different software options that would allow us to make that tech work together and enable it and make sure that it worked. There was building the website. So I think it was a it was a parallel pathing of building the website and sort of the front end of the creative and the copy of what this was all about. And in the back end, building the automated workflows and systems and the systems architecture, which it sounds fancy, but in reality, it's we hacked it together in literally two weeks. So a good engineer would laugh at our work, but it works for the time being and we're in the process of rebuilding it. The consultants that we worked with are, I would say, much more friends and family and advisors than they are paid consultants. I mean, Sahil and I have self-funded this, so we didn't enlist the help of anyone that was going to charge us a crazy amount of money, but we're fortunate enough to have you know good networks of people in the venture and marketing and technology game that were a phone call away. And so we, we certainly had a tremendous amount of people get excited about the concept and jump in to help from an advisory capacity, not to mention the incredibly talented group of humans who've committed themselves to this for no money as uh, to become the team. And they're really the reason that this exists is because we had, I think about seven to eight people really dive in and commit themselves for several months to making this a reality. And so it was iterative, it was hacky, it was testing and learning, it was being okay with not everything working all the time and really prioritizing progress and getting it out there over making everything perfect. There was just an urgency to get this out to the world, right? We, we felt and continue to feel like this type of concept is very much needed given the sentiment and given the fact that loneliness as a concept is going to be the next epidemic. I, I fundamentally believe that. But in the short run, there are people who, number one, are holed up in their homes. And number two, there's just a tremendous amount of need for gratitude and for people to know that they're seen and appreciated and loved and that their work matters the least of which, of course, is the frontline workers who literally kept our country running for the past four months. So there was just an urgency to get this done good enough to the point where it worked and not be perfect. And I think Sahil and I see the world the same way as business builders, that progress is the game and perfection is the enemy. You're never going to be perfect. So get it out there, learn, see what works, see what doesn't, and just keep testing and learning and work with really amazing people. And that's kind of the approach that we've taken and continue to take. Having that full like network of people around us, you know, helping us just with their thoughts and advice and, and us being able to kind of take that and jam on it together and think like through what makes the most sense and try to go for the minimal, minimum viable product and, and just put something out there so it, we can learn from it and will likely continue to be the process for quite a while as we continue to build out the platform more holistically. So the amount of work and the process that you put into just building Six Feet Closer as a platform is impressive enough. But what the platform does is especially impressive, special, and meaningful. So let's talk a bit about the platform itself. How do people engage in it? How do people receive the videos? What all do they receive? How are those people selected? There's two sides to it, right? There's people who make videos and there's people who receive videos. So if you want to make a video, all you do is you go to www.sixfeetcloser.com, six feet spelled with the, with the number six and, and ftcloser.com. There's a button that says, you know, sign up to make someone's day. You fill out very few pieces of information, your name, phone number, 
generally like where you live, right? Like Brooklyn, New York takes like 30 seconds. And then about a minute later, you get a text message with someone that you've been matched with by six feet closer, who's been matched to receive a video. On the other side, there are people who we have in the platform to receive videos. And the way that they come into the platform are through nominations from friends, family members, coworkers, loved ones, whoever it may be, right? So, you know, I choose to nominate Noah for being a wonderful friend who is always a good shoulder for me to lean on, right? So I would go to sixfeetcluster.com, I'd sign up to nominate him, and I'd just put some quick tidbits of information about Noah so that we can send him his video. So we've got, you know, a bunch of people sort of ready to get videos, and then we have people that come in to make them. Six Feet Closer on the back end matches them together. And then we, you know, we give the person who signed up to make a video some instructions and guidelines for how to make their video. Takes them about 30 to 45 seconds. They upload it. We then check every single video just to make sure that they're kosher and in good spirits. And then we send the video off. In this case, Noah would get his video. He'd have the chance to reply through text or video himself to the person who made it if he chooses. And, and if not, he, uh, he gets to hold on to that video and you know, watch it whenever he'd like. So that's kind of how the platform works. And so far, we've sent about 3,000 videos. We've had a bunch of people sign up and make multiple videos. One of our favorite metrics is that literally 99% of people have actively watched the video that they're sent which is amazing. Over 3,000 videos in just a couple of months. That's a huge number. It's great that you're watching the videos to make sure that they are you know, within rules and regulations and guidelines. Do you have a volunteer staff that helps vet those videos? We do. We do. We have several volunteers and that are sort of always on throughout the day. We have uh, someone on our team who's developed sort of a calendar of shifts and there's always someone checking as videos come through to make sure that they're good. And we're, we're prepared as they keep scaling to add more people. But the good news about the platform is that we've had no trouble finding people who've been interested in volunteering, but we do have a good team of volunteers and incredibly smart, ambitious, inspired people. And they've been hugely helpful. That's a lot of lives that have been touched through your platform. Uh, a lot of people who have been positively impacted. Do you have to have uh, 10 years of uh, video production or filmmaking experience to create these? How, how easy is it for someone to hop in and make a video for someone? It's super easy. It's literally like everyone, if you have a Snapchat, if you've ever used Instagram, you can make these videos. You literally just click the link on your phone, takes you to a, a screen that you can just hit record. You take a selfie video of yourself, about 30 seconds. You stop recording and you hit use my video, right? And it's good to go. We've had people of all ages, of all backgrounds make videos, like people 90 years old and people five years old have made videos. So it's really, really easy. And when you sign up, all the instructions and guidelines are texted to you. So it's, it's a really, really simple process. Do you have any stories? Uh, do you get feedback from any of the recipients of the videos? Or even do you have any stories, uh, feedback from the volunteers? Yeah, how much time you got? We've got a bunch <laughs> of stories that I think have been really, really powerful and touching to us. The two that I'll share, the first is is honestly even kind of before we officially launched, we were still doing more testing around what type of information should we give to the person making the video, how personalized should it be, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. And Noah's mom ended up making a video and getting matched with a really close friend of me and my sisters. 
who is a doctor in New York. And at the time, right, it was peak, peak, peak of COVID. And, and so he was just getting swamped in the hospital, I think, working literally like 24 to 48 hour shifts consistently. And it was especially unique in this situation because he was going through a tough time, hadn't really seen his family. His mother had passed away recently. And, and so getting a video from Noah's mom, who was just an amazing woman, just very, very motherly woman, he had no idea it was coming. And it just brought him to tears instantly. He actually replied to Noah's mom, I'm paraphrasing, but it was essentially saying, I just got off of my 48-hour shift feel like really tired, exhausted, and kind of kind of weary from everything that's going on. And I remember that I got the text message from Six Feet Closer in the middle of the day. And so I, before I went to bed, just decided to, to take a look. And I instantly just broke down in tears and it renewed my faith to really commit to fighting this thing. And, and he said, I'm not going to stop until we beat it. And thank you. Thank you so much for this. It, it really just made my week. Because it happened so early on, that was sort of the first response that really stood out to me as like, okay, we, we got something. This is, this is real. The impact is real here. So that was really, really inspiring and touching. And then the other story I'll share is there's a 16-year-old girl in Chicago who we kind of just noticed, like this maybe had been like a month into our launch, a little less than that. And we just noticed that she made like 25 to 30 videos in the span of a few days. Right. And we like we weren't doing anything. We didn't know her. Nobody on the team knew her. We just kept seeing that she was making videos. And we were like, wow, like this is amazing. Like, who is this angelic kid? Right. So Noah and I, we we reached out to her and we're like, hey, like, would would you be willing to just hop on the phone with us for 30 minutes and and let us just talk to you? Because we wanted to understand, you know, what was it about the platform that she liked so much? How did she feel when she used it? Because this was especially around the time when we were thinking about how can we build beyond, you know, how can we expand the platform in, in, in several ways? And what she said, which I'll, I won't forget, is when you make a video like that, it's a way for you to really, really know what kind of impact you're having. And you can see the impact that you're having so clearly. This is someone who made a few videos in, in her first day of hearing about us. And I think she got a reply back fairly early on. And she said, I literally got to see how powerful 30 seconds of my time could be for someone and for someone's day, how, how meaningful it can be. And it literally became a routine for her. It became a daily habit for her that every day she would make like a handful of videos, right? And we were just so touched that it could have that effect on people actually making the videos and not just on the people receiving it, right? It, it made her feel really, really good and really connected to the world around her because she was giving out that gratitude and that appreciation. You know, when, when Noah and I think about ideally what we want this platform to, or at least our hopes for this platform, it is that we can, you know, encourage that kind of behavior with everyone where like it becomes something every day you, know, you, you wake up or before you go to bed, you just spend a minute, not even to make a video for someone uh, who you don't know, just to appreciate them. And so it was really, really cool to kind of see someone do that and take to that without us prompting them in any way. That is really cool and really touching. You know, it's it, it goes to show that it's very powerful to be on the receiving end of these sorts of connections and, and people reaching out, but it's also equally powerful for people to be able to do it. 
I think that's absolutely right. I think gratitude is a, it's a deeply important part of living a fulfilled and meaningful life. And I think that we just happen to build a platform and mechanism to express the sort of contextual gratitude of how we felt towards frontline workers. And in doing so, we happen to uncover what we believe is something that's much bigger and more timely, not to minimize the importance of gratitude towards frontline workers, but more so to amplify the importance of gratitude now more than ever and as a unique way to express it. Yeah, absolutely. And Noah, I believe you had a story you wanted to share as well? I'll keep it fairly brief, but the long and short of it is that when when we first started it, I, I kind of had a fantasy that one day we might be able to get to a place where we could meet someone who received the video and be able to hear that it really made an impact. And even if, like when we first started, even if we heard a story of meeting someone and he or she said, yeah, it really brightened my day. I would have been thrilled hearing like a couple of those stories, right? That was sort of what I was playing for when we first started. If thinking maybe this will be something that scales nicely and touches a few people and, and, you know, makes the rounds in our friend groups and that'd be cool. And I think about a week into it being launched, it had already gotten way bigger than I thought it would. Like truly, like it had really, it, it had been in, used in most states already. And I got a message on Instagram from a friend of mine from college, a girl that I went to college with, who told me that she got a video and that it was just deeply, deeply touching. And I was like, hey, can we FaceTime? Like, can I hear a little bit about the story and what happened? Just frankly, just to hear a little bit more and learn and hear from a user, if you will. And I hadn't talked to her in probably a year, definitely pre-pandemic. And she's an ICU nurse in Philadelphia. And she told me the story about, not to get too dark, but how much death she'd seen that week and how intense it was in the COVID unit and how she was away from her family and how she hadn't really been feeling recognized because she was seeing news cycles and the president talking about how things were going to be okay. And she was like, what are people missing? I'm here literally fighting every single day. And she said that she was just on the verge. Like she was just, she was, she was having a hard time as she should be. And, and as how could she not? And she said that she woke up and was on the way to an overnight shift and watched a video and she didn't know what it was. And it was someone who happened this guy happened to be someone who decided to sing a song to her. And she told the story of how when he mentioned her by name and, and said her name into the camera, she just lost it and was reinvigorated and that it was the first time she felt seen. And, you know, frankly, we could have stopped right there and I would have been completely thrilled with Six Feet Closer forever just because of how deeply, deeply touched I was that it was, first of all, that anyone had that experience because of something we built. And more importantly, that someone that I actually knew and have a relationship with, it was, it was pretty special. Uh, wow. That really tugs on uh, the heartstrings. I'm curious now when these people send videos and, and make these connections is contact information between the two parties shared. Are they able to continue those connections? No, no contact info is shared. We built the platform so that it would be personal, but secure. So no, all, all conversations have six feet closer as an intermediary. So if I happen to make a video for Bruce and it gets sent to Bruce, Noah and Bruce never receive each other's contact information. Now we've had multiple requests from the community to add that on as something of potentially continuing the conversation. So we're not averse to it, but we're hypersensitive to keeping people's information private and privacy and anonymity matters. So we're open to building that in as a feature, but I don't think we'll ever get to a point when we're just handing over phone numbers because that doesn't feel right. <laughs> so no uh, love connections made uh, uh, through this platform. Maybe eventually we had, we had a couple back and forth videos where it certainly seemed like there was a spark and maybe there was some potential, but 
I don't think we built this to be a dating app. So maybe one day, maybe one day there'll be a six feet closer marriage. That would be cool. But I think we're, we're perfectly happy right now spreading the goodwill and spreading the gratitude. And I think it's a feature that we can add on later as long as we make sure that both parties opt in and feel comfortable talking to each other. We just have to make sure that everyone who uses this stays safe. Yeah. I know how much work and thought you put into the platform before you built it. Other than the security issue, was there a philosophy behind not allowing people to keep up those communications? Just privacy. You know, you asked about advisors and consultants early on. We spoke with doctor friends and I I guess you could say like CTO level friends who are technologists and doctors who understand privacy and, and the community of healthcare workers and privacy and security was the number one thing that came up sort of immediately of make sure you're you're technically going to be sending people a message that they may not be expecting and so make sure that you give them very clear ways to to opt out to not accept the message if they don't want it to not feel like they've been violated to not feel like their privacy has been violated like making sure that people feel safe protected and connected to the underlying goodwill of the gesture is really critical here, especially in a time, not to deviate too much from sort of the core of this, but in a time when a lot of the large social platforms have completely eroded trust with their user bases, right? You know, we've had several people tell us that they're much more willing to give six feet closer to their phone number than Facebook because they know that we have good intent with it, right? And, and that's not the point of what we're doing. We're not trying to sell people advertisements, but making sure that people understand that the intent and integrity of the platform lies in a truly good what we think to be a truly good gesture and sentiment and, and vision, I think is important. And so I think that if we were to just start handing out phone numbers to people without them explicitly saying that they're both comfortable with it and that they want it, would undermine that. As the COVID-19 era progresses, we're going to evolve into this new normal. I've heard other people say that we'll never go back to normal. And while it's true, we will never go back to our old normal, we will help evolve and create a new normal. What do you think the new normal is going to look like? How do you think you will evolve with the new normal? And how do you think you and Six Feet Closer will help evolve that new normal? That is a great question. I definitely think we're going to see perpetual change in terms of how people look at what it means to be clean and what it means to be secure in their spaces and germs. I think that there's going to be a fundamental shift in the way that we look at cleanliness and being sanitary and hygiene. And that's probably for the better because there were people that were warning us about this type of thing happening for a while. So I think that we're going to have our guard up a little bit more and that's not a bad thing. And then emotionally, I, th- I think this is a this has been a globally traumatic experience that humanity has gone through, and I think that it's certainly tested our patience, our empathy, our ability to be focused on the greater good versus what we want selfishly, and and also I think the notion of being trapped inside for you know months on end and seeing certain people follow that and others not. There's just there, there's a lot of emotional strain that that's caused, and I think people are always going to remember what that felt like. And being connected is going to have a different meaning now, right? Like being connected to people is going to feel, I think, more impactful, both in person and virtually, now that we've had this sort of forcing mechanism to decide what we really care about. There's nothing like being trapped in your own house for four months to show you who you really are, what you care about, and who you really want to talk to. And so I think I've certainly felt 
shifted. It's, it's forced me to be more mindful, practice meditation, more practice gratitude, more stay more grounded in, in the things that I can control. And this is a self-serving answer because six feet closer is obviously one of those things, but keeping me grounded in practices of gratitude, keeping me grounded in connecting with people that I care about and that I don't know. I think that's going to be something that the world feels like they need. You know, we've we've all gone through this. This pandemic has been the ultimate equalizer. It doesn't care what race you are, what gender, what sexuality, where you're from. It's a disease. It's, it's an illness. It's a virus. And it's leveled all of us onto the same playing field of needing to remember what's important to us. And so I certainly hope that we learn from it. We're better from it and that we can integrate a little bit more mindfulness into our routines and rituals as a result of it. And, and I hope... I hope we can shepherd in some of that as a result of Six Feet Closer. I think normal in the sense of how we want to interact socially will change. I definitely do think people will have, at the very least, a baseline that's much higher of their like cleanliness and, and sort of their routine and making sure that they wipe their surfaces down and bring wipes places. You know, I, I do think that will increase to some extent. But what I do think this pandemic has forced every single person to to go through is real introspection right like when, when you're trapped at your house and you know, you're scrolling through your instagram and your facebook and you see your friends who may have gotten a house like together up in maine or you like see other people who are maybe together in, in your your home alone in which everyone has been i think home alone during this at some point it forces you to really think about who you are what matters to you what excites you, what you're interested in, everything, right? Like you, you run through the whole thing with yourself about, about who you are and, and, and what you want to be and who you want to be. And I think in a very strange way, and I don't mean to sound, I don't mean to like have this be taken the wrong way, but I think that is a good thing that this kind of pandemic, if, if there's a silver lining at all, I do think that, you know, having us all be a little bit more introspective and in touch with who we are and our emotions because of the fact that we've been separated and isolated from all our friends is something that will benefit us in the, in the long run. The, the collective psychology now of a generation of several generations is going to be, you know, impacted because of COVID. That's something that I, I really do hope it makes people feel on a daily basis, more appreciative, more grateful for just the simple act of being able to walk outside next to someone, right? Or be able to have a drink with someone in a restaurant or be able to, you know, hug someone, right? These are little things that I don't think anybody even considered as like a privilege or whatever you want to call it, but we take it for granted, right? And we're, we're humans, we're, we're social creatures, we crave that connection. What this has forced people to kind of think about and realize is that that connection is so important. It's so, so important, right? And I, I think it's going to, make us, and it already has, I think people like connected with long lost friends and not long lost, but you know, friends they haven't sort of been in touch with for a while. I know people who have scheduled like weekly Zoom meetings to like reconnect. And it, it's kind of great to see, right? How much more connection we do really want because we understand and have had the time to really realize how important that is in our lives. And I think technology is in a really, really exciting place because it's, it allows us to do that, right? It really allows us to connect that way. When I think of how Six Feet Closer can play in that kind of world, I do really hope that we're able to tap into that heightened sense of appreciation and gratitude and connectedness and mindfulness and, and encourage people to 
sort of make it a habit to just take a little bit of time out of your day and, and pause and reflect and really spread some love and send some gratitude out in the world. And so I think when I think of what does the new future look like, what does the new normal look like, I really do hope it's that we have a collective, you know, a greater collective sense of empathy and of realization for how important, how really, really important that sense of connection and, and appreciation can be. I think you guys are spot on with all of that. And I think you brought up a really great point that this era, this COVID-19 era, has forced to the surface, I think for a lot of people, the topic of what's most important in life, you know, family, friends. And yeah, you're right. You know, we took a lot of that for granted in the past. And once you kind of lose that privilege, I guess, if you want to call it that, you really start thinking about what's most important. And you start thinking about those connections. And for people who want to volunteer to help out with your platform or someone who wants to create a video, what would be the best way for them to either reach out to you or to just jump in video creation? Just go to our website. Uh, you can find us on online at the number six ftcloser.com. That's our social handles across the board at six ftcloser.com. Uh, you can sign up to make a video if you're interested in working with us or partnering with us helping get the word out. We would be thrilled to hear from you, thrilled to work with you. And um, we're open and excited to keep building this thing. Perfect. Sahil, Noah, you both created a very inspiring and impactful platform that enables people to reach out, connect and share gratitude with one another. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to chat with me on Luminaries in the Dark. It's a, a really special conversation. And what you guys have done is amazing. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us, Bruce. It's important during these uncertain times that we do what we can to help light the path through the darkness. I'm your host, Bruce Bracken, for Luminaries in the Dark. Stay safe, stay healthy.